welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Now, we're, we're talking about a theology to live by because, look, I, I like theology. I believe in knowledge. I believe in uh, growing in, uh, in knowledge and understanding of what our faith and uh, what we believe uh, about. I, I'm all for that. But there's something a little bit more important than knowledge. And I like theology, and uh, as some of us may know, theology simply means knowing God. But there's something a little bit more important than just knowledge. You know what that is? And that is applied knowledge. That's where it's at. We're not just into knowing about theology. We're into theology that's going to allow us to change our lives and in turn, hopefully, change the lives of others as well. So we're not talking about just learning a whole bunch of ethereal concepts. We're talking about learning how to change our lives. We want to be able to walk out what we believe in. So it's not just about uh, theology to live, uh, to grow in knowledge by, but it's also about theology to live by. That's what we're about in this church. So hence this series. And uh, Tone started up last week with a cracker, which he called, uh, in which he looked at the theology of process. Uh, then Pete followed with another couple of crackers, in which he looked at the theology of obedience, and then the theology of dependence. And uh, I'm aiming for a bit of a cracker tonight myself, and uh, it's my privilege uh, to tonight talk about the theology of priorities. Everyone say priorities. And oh, you, you did it this time. Normally you don't. Uh, so I just assumed that you wouldn't, so I just kept going. Let's try that again. Everyone say priorities. priorities. Man, you're listening tonight. That's awesome. Okay. So that we're on the same page, uh, I'm just going to give you a definition of what priority means, okay? Very brief definition. It simply means this. Giving something specified attention. Giving something specified attention. That is, giving something primary or special importance. Now, one of the reasons why I believe this topic is so important is because we all have priorities. Whether we know it or not, whether we're conscious of it or not, we've all set our agendas, we've all set our priorities, and we are all living according to the priorities that we have set. So that's why it's so important, and that's why I think knowing something about the theology of uh, priorities is going to help us to establish the right ones. Now, another reason why I believe it's so important to have a good theology of priorities is because I believe that it is a way in which we are going to actually be able to walk into all that God has for us. If we get our priorities right, if we get the right priorities, I believe God is actually going to be able to use us. God is actually going to be able to come, meet us where we're at, and we're going to be able to receive the blessings that only He can give us. Amen? Now, two Highlight that. Got a little surprise here for you. Here we go. A couple of fish bowls and uh, look, if this doesn't work, then I blame my wife, okay? Because she's a primary school teacher, so when I talk theology with her, I always have to dumb it down with illustrations and stuff, so, you know, I don't know. So just um, work with me here, okay? Now, over here, we've got a jar filled with little pebbles, okay? Now, these pebbles, if you will, represent your time, and they represent my time, okay? And uh, if you will as well, they represent a lot of the things that we fill up 
our time with. Some of the non-important things that we fill up our time with. So what could be, let's get a little bit interactive here tonight. What could be some of the non-important things that we fill up our lives with? Anyone, any Facebookers out there? Yeah, okay, Facebook. All right, just randomly. What else? Hey? What? TV, awesome, what else? Hey? I can't hear what you're saying. Yell out, anything else? TV, uh, maybe that extra round of golf that we don't need. Maybe looking for, let's pick on the older folks now, shall we? What about looking at, you know, those cars that you wish you could buy, all that, all that time you spend, and you know you'll never be able to afford them, so you waste time doing that. And what about, what about house hunting? All the, looking at all those houses that you know you'll never be able to afford, so you waste time looking at all those houses. And anyway, you, so you fill up your time. Listen, pay attention. There we go. So we fill up our time with things like, with with the non-essential, non-important things in our lives. Now, the problem with that is that we then come to the important things in our lives and uh, we're not able to actually fit them into our time. Who here is busy? Who here finds it really hard to actually get everything done that they want to get done, that they're supposed to get done? I know I do. And one of the reasons is because we don't prioritize the important things. So, for example, let's look at, for instance, family. We try and cram family into our busy lives and busy schedule. And what about our health, for instance? You know, things like fitness. Who's ever too busy to exercise? Ever too busy? Okay, so we try, because we've been Facebooking, we've been texting, we've been wasting our times with, with, with people that, you know, we shouldn't be spending time with. Uh, we've been wasting, you know, the God-given time given to us. So we try and cram in fitness. And how about family? Oh, so family time, my children, that there's my life in there, and I try and cram that in as well. It's getting harder and harder. And, uh, oh, hang on, I know what I forgot. God. I better, I better cram God in there as well somewhere. So my life starts to really, really overflow. And, uh, you know, I have my little family time and, uh, you know, come, come to church. Oh, don't forget church. Oh, my goodness, his church, his ministry. There we go. Whew. Just making it. Now, whose life looks a little bit like that sometimes? Feels a bit like that. Full to overflowing. You can't jam everything in there that you're supposed to try to jam in. Now, the point that I want to make is simply this. That when we have the wrong priorities, this is what our life looks like. We drift aimlessly. The good crowds out the best. And we start to struggle. And we feel overwhelmed by our lives. However, this is how important the right priorities are. Because when we have the right priorities, when we put first things first, say God, for instance, put God in there. What did I say this was? Health, for instance. And you've got family over here, perhaps. Put that in first as well. That's pretty good. And children, don't forget your children. And don't forget your ministry as well. Guess what? It all fits in there. It all fits in really nicely in there, doesn't it? And guess what? All the other stuff that you like, and this better work, <laughs> guess what? I expect a big round of applause if this works, all right? You start to fitting. Okay, you can do a bit of Facebooking. That's all right. You can go on the internet. You can go house hunting. You can do that extra round of golf. Uh, you can talk to those people that you really don't like very much, but... Um, 
you know, they're, they're the cool people, so you want to be cool, so you hang around with them. And um, you can talk to, uh, you know, those people at work that, you know, that waste your time. However, when you start putting it all in, look at this, suddenly, it all fits. It all fits. Look at that. It all fits. And look, there's even room for more. Now, if I, had, if I could have found more pebbles, I would have brought it because then there's even room for more. It's only half full. Before, jam-packed, full to overflowing, and now absolutely full. You know why? Because we have a God that says to us, first, seek the kingdom of God. Have your priorities right. Seek the kingdom of God, and then what? Everything else will be added unto you. Everything else. It will be full to overflowing. Who wants to live like this? Who wants to have more time? Well, thank God for Jesus, because Jesus left us a really good example on how to live our lives like this. Jesus came and set an example for every area of life. And tonight, I just want to have a quick look at a couple of things that we can learn from Jesus' life, uh, from one incident that I think can help us to set the right priorities in our lives so that this can be a reality in our lives, so that we can have room to do all that we want to do, all the important things, all the fun things, and then even have room left over for God to add the abundance, the abundance that that scripture speaks about. Seek first the kingdom, and then everything, everything else will be added. So don't worry about, oh, but if I prioritize this, I won't have time for that. No, if you seek the important things first, it is a promise that God will deliver. Amen? So we're going to uh, just read Mark 1, verses uh, 35 to 39. So if you have your Bibles with you, that would be great. And it simply says this, Mark 1, 35 to 39. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, that's Jesus, and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now, I think there's a few things here that we can learn from, uh, from Jesus in terms of setting right priorities. And I'm just going to quickly look at them uh, tonight, and hopefully they'll be helpful for you. And the first thing that I think that we can see from this example is that we should set our priorities by choosing eternal things over the things of this world. Set your priorities by choosing the eternal things over the things of this world. Verse 35 says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Here we see Jesus making his relationship with the Father of primary importance. Despite his business, despite all that he had to do, I mean, his, his ministry was just taking off. Uh, in this portion of Scripture, just beforehand, we find that uh, he just called the first disciples. He'd begun to preach. He was healing the multitudes. I mean, he was a popular dude. People wanted to be around him. People wanted to crowd him. But despite this business, what does he do? Very early in the, in the morning, he departs to go away with the Father. He prioritizes time with the Father first and above everything else. Now, I don't know if you've ever asked yourselves, why would Jesus himself requires such an incredibly, incredibly strict devotional time. I mean, after all, he was God. He knew it all. He was God incarnate. So why would he need 
to prioritize time with God so much? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to give you the answer. And the answer is going to blow you away. Do you know why Jesus prioritized time with the Father? He didn't do it because he had to. Here's the big theological answer for you. You ready? He did it because he wanted to. He wanted to. He enjoyed being with the Father. He wanted to be with the Father. He wanted to spend time with the Father. He wanted to live in communion with the Father. Despite the fact that he was God, he prioritized communion with the Father because he wanted to. Because he understood that relationships to succeed need to be prioritized. If our relationship with God is going to, uh, to succeed, we need to also prioritize. Now, we can learn a lot from this example. Like Jesus, we also need to set our hearts on eternity and begin by having a vibrant, real, intimate, devotional relationship with our Heavenly Father. So I ask you, how, how is your devotional time? How is it at the moment? I believe that if it's not all that it should be, you haven't set your heart on eternity. You're worried too much about the earthly, mundane things. And let me challenge you, because I used to be pretty soft on this, and uh, this might challenge some of you, but uh, you know, people say, oh, well, I'm really rushed in the morning, so you know, I pray in the car, I pray on my way to school, I pray when I'm walking to my office, I pray when I'm in the toilet reading the paper, I, I pray, you know, and I just think, I used to be a bit soft and say, okay, that's, that's okay, but you know, not in light of what we read in Scripture. But Jesus was far stricter than that. And if you look at uh, how he did it, it says that he departed and went to a desolate place. Now, I can't prescribe to you how your relationship with God works, how your devotional time works, but one thing that I can encourage you to do is to look at Scripture. And I believe that there are two key things here. He departed to a desolate place. I think that for our, our hearts to be set on eternity in our relationship with God, we need to be able to withdraw and we need to go to a desolate place. Just get away from the crowd. Get away from everything and spend some time where you know it's just you and God. That's how we can prioritize the eternal, by making sure that we also prioritize our relationship with the living God. We can prioritize our, the eternal in every area of our lives. We can do it in our schools and in, in our jobs. Now, you, you may not like your school or you might not like your job, but maybe, maybe if you just change your mind and start to prioritize the eternal, instead of thinking, well, maybe I'm here, not because I'm supposed to like this job, but maybe I've been put here because God wants me to be a missionary in this job. Maybe God wants me to be a missionary in this school. See how it all changes? If you change your priority into the eternal, then you'll be able to affect your lives. And we can do it, like I said, in every area of our lives. We can, we can prioritize the eternal in our marriages. I mean, seriously, I, before I complained to God that, oh, gee, I wish my wife realized that I'm right all the time. I wish that my, my wife would change this attitude or change that. I wish my marriage was this. I wish my marriage was that. I looked at the Word of God, and the Word of God tells me to prioritize something. And uh, Pete alluded to it this morning, and I just want to mention it again tonight. For all you husbands out there, before you winch or complain about your marriage or your wives, have you prioritized the eternal? Have you asked yourselves what the Bible tells you to do, which is this. Do you love your wife like Jesus loved the church and laid down his life for her? Whoa. Man, I tell you, that stops me from whinging so much. I still whinge. <laughs> I still argue every now and again. 
But I tell you, when I, okay, and that's one of my daily prayers. I can honestly stand before you and say that's one of my daily prayers for my marriage. When I pray for my marriage, and all, all husbands should, and wives should pray for their marriage as well. When I pray for my marriage, I don't pray, oh, God, make my wife this, or oh, God, make my wife that. Oh, Jim, I wish my marriage looked like that. I don't pray any of those prayers. The only prayer that I pray over and over again every morning is, Lord, help me. Help me to love my wife as Jesus loved the church and laid down his life for her. And I tell you, the situation may not change. She may not change. But I tell you, my, perspe- my perspective changes. My perspective changes. But that's because I have set my heart on the eternal, not on the things of this world, not on the things that I want. I'm looking to the word of God to counsel me. I do it with, with my kids as well. I mean, sometimes, you know, we find parenting a chore, but, you know, I look at my kids and it's a privilege to be co-laboring with God in helping them to become like Jesus. That's what my parenting is about. That's all I want to do. I don't care what they, what they become or do with their lives. I don't, know. I don't care if they become rocket scientists or if they sweep a factory floor for the rest of their lives. I don't care. I seriously don't. I want them to become like Jesus. And I'm doing everything that I do right now so that they can become like Jesus. I'm looking at their characters and all that's missing in their character. And I try to fill in and supply what's lacking because I want them to be like Jesus. Because I've set my heart on eternity. And I, I want to bring eternity into my parenting. Like my, my, my son is, is the biggest, I don't know what you call it, you know those glass half empty kind of people? He uh, just, just annoys me. We're supposed to be encouraging. You know, we're supposed to, supposed to be positive. Now he's a great kid. But it's the sort of kid that doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter what we, where we go, doesn't matter what he sees, he'll always find the one thing wrong with whatever we're doing. He'll always find and pick out the fault. I mean, it's, it's frightening. See, things that I don't even notice. Now, he'll, he'll just see it. He'll just pick it. I reckon he'll be the only person in heaven to be complaining. He'll just be like, um, it's all right. Um, that gold's a bit bright, isn't it, Jesus? You know, so I, I don't know. It hurts my eyes a little bit. So he will find what's missing. I'm trying to teach him to be encouraging. I, his little sister was showing him some stick figures the other day, and, um, and he, was, he was about to just go to town and complain about it. You know, I'm there, Lucas, encouraging. Be encouraging. And he's not only come naturally to him. You know? And he, I can see him just really, really struggling. He's like, and he, he's wanting to criticize it. You know, he wanted to, wanted to be an art critic with these things. And he goes, yes, um, they're, they're really, they're, they're, they're nice. They're good. <laughs> And so I, I've said, well done, Lucas, that's, that's a step in the right direction, you know. And I, as I walk away, I keep listening to the conversation, and he walks up to his little sister and he says to her, but I've got no pants on. You know? Like, I tell him, dude, that's not, jeez, oh, that's stick figures. He just couldn't help himself. He just noticed that these stick figures had no clothes on. So, and I'm, trying, I'm trying, forever trying to shape this kid, be encouraging. Don't always look at what's missing. Don't always look at what's lacking. There's always something positive that you can focus on. And I do that because I want him to be like Jesus. I have set eternity into my heart. I have looked at eternity into this child. And I know that where he's going, like all of us who believe in Jesus, we're all going to ultimately become like him. So as a parent, my priority is the eternal, not the worldly, not what's happening right here, right now. So that's how we should set our priorities in every area of our life. Choose eternal things over the things of this world. God is a God of order. He's a God of priorities, of first things first. He tells us, first our brother, then our gift. First the spiritual, then the natural. First judge ourselves, then our brother. First the inside, and then the outside. First what Christ wants, then what I want. Let's set our priorities in life 
according to this. And let's get practical. I'm being very teacher-like here tonight, so I'm going to give you some homework. All right? Prioritize, and I, and I will check, prioritize one thing that has eternal value and see the amazing things that God will do in your life. Just this week, choose one thing, just anything. Maybe something that's been in your heart for a while, or maybe something that you've thought about, or maybe something that you just think about tonight. Something that has eternal value. And make it number one. Prioritize it. Before you do, before you do anything else, Put it first. This is your life. Put it first. Prioritize it. And I promise you, I guarantee that we, live, we serve a God of faith, a God of promises, a God of abundance, and he will fulfill his promise. So set your priorities by choosing the eternal. Um, something else that I believe that we can see from this passage of Scripture that Jesus teaches us is that we should set our priorities by choosing what you need to do now by choosing what you need to do right now. Verse 36 says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is very popular. Everybody wants him. Everybody's after him, and the disciples are so excited about it because they see all these people, this crowd coming to look for Jesus, and they went looking for him. And it wasn't like they were worried that Jesus had done a runner. They knew he was coming back, but they were so excited. And I can imagine they're just, just looking for Jesus, and they find him and say, Lord, Messiah, all these people, they're looking for you. They're coming for you, Lord. And what does Jesus say? He goes, they're looking for me? They're coming after me? Fantastic. Awesome. Let's go somewhere else. Because that's not why I came. That's not the reason why I'm here. I'm here to preach the word of God to every town. He was faithful to what God had called him to do at that time, at that precise moment. And again, that is an excellent example to us as to how to set our priorities. Don't worry too much about the big picture. You may think you know what God's got planned for you. You may think that you know that the greatness that God's got installed for you. You may want to be a great general but you better be a good soldier first. You better throw yourself into what God has called you to do right here, right now. We need to be able to set our priorities. And one of the important things in our priorities is to choose to prioritize the right here and right now and fit it into your life first and foremostly. I counsel a lot of kids and uh, a lot of them freak out because they say to me, I don't know what to do with, for, with the rest of my life. Because our schools, unfortunately, are geared like that, especially with some very silly subjects that I won't mention now. Uh, but uh, our schools are geared into putting a lot of pressure into young people about what to do with the rest of their lives. But that's just unfair. I think it's unbiblical. I think it's just stupid. Because I don't even know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I'm just a little bit older than them. All right? I think there's a lot of pressure and it's too much to ask. And so when I talk to them, I just say, look, don't worry about the rest of your life. That's just, just silly. Just worry about, worry about the next season, however long that season might be. Yeah, but I'm doing an apprenticeship on hairdressing, but I don't know if I want to be a hairdresser for the rest of my life. I go, don't worry about it. Throw yourself into that. Throw yourself into your apprenticeship. Be the best hairdressing apprentice you can be. Don't worry about the rest of your life. Worry about the here and the now. Just like Jesus came, that ultimately his, his big picture was ultimate to save us 
and that we may spend eternity with him forever. That's his big picture. But at this precise moment, he didn't turn to the crowds with that. He went, okay, fine, that's good, but right now, this is what I've got to do. This is where I'm headed, but this is what I'm going to do. So he turned his back on the, on, on the crowd and fulfilled what God had called him to do right here, right now. So worry about the immediate. Worry about the now. Prioritize what you believe God has called you to do right here, right now. That's going to help you, and it's going to go a long way into helping you to set the right priorities. And if it is study, well, then, then be, let it be study. But just don't be like a certain young lady who came up to me, uh, I think it was three weeks ago, in a panic after Sunday night church. I was about to leave and, uh, and she comes up to me, she starts talking, talking to me about this essay that she didn't do, so she got punished, and so she was given a new essay to do, and I said, oh, that's great, I'll help you with it, and she told me the question, and I was just wowing her with my knowledge, I was just giving her these incredible answers, and she was writing it down, and uh, I was I even surprised myself as to how incredibly astute I was with this essay question. And I said to her, cool, so this is your uh, uh, redemption essay. When is it due? And she said, yeah, it's due in about five hours. <laughs> so it's due the next day, first thing in the morning. So look, if you're going to do study, priority, that's somebody who didn't do, set the right priorities. Now, you might not like studying. You may hate it. You might think year 12 is going to be the most horrible year of your life. Too bad. Throw yourself into that. You might not want to study ever again. That's fine. But right here, right now, God has given you a job to do. So this is, and I'm going to set you homework again for this, second, for this second point as well. It's going to be homework for every point. What has God called you to do now? What is your season right now? Just have a think about it. And whatever the answer is, that needs to become your priority. Even if it's got nothing, seemingly nothing to do with what you believe you're heading to ultimately, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. Forget that. Worry about what God's called you to do in the right here, in the right now, in this season. And throw yourself into it. Jesus did it and he's left us a wonderful, wonderful example. Amen? Okay, something else that I believe we can see in here is that we need to set our priorities by being active and not passive by being active and not passive. In verse 39, he goes on to say, and he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus prioritized when it was just time to perform, when it was time to just get on with it, time to just do it. You need to prioritize action in your life. When you've decided, when you've prayed about it, when you've thought about it, you need to, before you do anything else, you've got to get the big rock of action, the big rock of, of activity, put it in your life, and then you'll be able to cram everything else in. Now, this is a hard one because it, it depends on how you're wired. Some people love the planning stage. Some people love waiting on God, praying, reading, studying. I'm a little bit like that. I'm, I'm a real geek when it comes to... to I, I, you'd be surprised at the weird things that I love studying in my own time and the things that I pursue and learn about. Um, I just do it. I don't even know why I do it. <laughs> I, just, I just love it. Now, but unfortunately, there comes a time where that has to stop and you actually have to put your hand to the plow and you have to act. You need to be able to prioritize it. There comes a time when you've got to get out of your spiritual abode. You've got to get out of you know, the, the seventh heaven and be able to come down to earth and be able to just put your hand to the plow and act. 
And uh, like, give you an example. I mean, most people who aren't married want, want to get married. My little girl, six years old, she already knows what she's going to wear in her wedding. She she's reckon she's going to marry me. No, actually, I've been, I've been knocked out now. She wants to marry her older brother now. So that's, that's, she's moving up in the world, I have to admit. He's pretty awesome. And, uh, but like her, some of you are like that. Some of you are planning your wedding already. You know, you want to get married. You dream about your, your wife or your husband. You, you pray about it. You render heaven or you whinge or you complain. Why am I single? Why am I not single? You spend a lot of time doing that, which is great. How much time do you spend actually getting ready for marriage? How much time do you actually spend being active? Because the time, there comes a time, this is what I'm talking about, where you have to act. How much time... Apart from the whinging, the crying, the pity parties, the self-pity, uh, the, uh, the whining, the, the longing, the yearning, the, the, your heart breaks, you're, you're all lonely, and that's all fine. But how much time do you spend also getting ready? How much time do you spend reading about marriage? How much time do you spend talking to people about marriage? How much time do you actually spend doing something about it? How much time do you actually spend preparing yourself, dealing with those personality issues that you know you've got to get rid of so God can actually trust you with somebody? How much time do you actually put yourself into that? How much time do you spend just being able to go up to someone who's been married for 50,000 years and saying, hey, you've been married for all this time. What's the secret to your marriage? I love doing that. I don't care who I'm, I don't care if they're Christians, Buddhists, I don't care. If someone's been married for 80 years, I want to talk to them. And I, that, I always end up asking them, like, have you been married for this long? Give me your one best bit of advice. And I've been married for 12 years now, almost. Um, <laughs> I didn't get it wrong, all right? Um, you know, give me your one word of advice. Tell me, tell me what's made your marriage successful. And I'll write that thing down, man. I, I love it. So don't just, yes, there comes a time where you have to pray and think and all that, but there comes a time for action. Get in there, get involved in whatever it is that you want to do and be able to, even if you don't have it, there comes a time where you set your priorities not by being passive, not by sitting back, but by actually action, being able to do something. So what have you actually neglected? That's your last bit of homework. What have you actually neglected? What do you know, man, I need to, I need to do this thing. And if it is marriage, I'm using marriage just, just as an illustration. Maybe that's it. I mean, I need to be more, I need to work on that. Yeah, I'm still too dependent and I'm too waiting on someone to complete me. I know that. And that's never going to work when that, when that happens. I have to work on myself. I've, I've got to get to the point where God is all sufficient for me. And then I'll have something to offer. Then I'll be ready. So for, for whatever it is, that thing that you're waiting for, man, just, just do something about it. Even this week, just, just prioritize and say, okay, I'm going to act upon this thing right here, right now. Jesus has left us incredible, incredible examples, I believe, in every area of life. And um, if, it's, it's amazing because, as I say, God is a God of priorities, and that's how we should respond to God. And I just had this thought, I don't know, I, I thought it was pretty amazing. I hope you do as well, I, I don't know, but... Um, you, know, you know, God created everything. Created, you know, the heavens and the earth and, and uh, the animals and the water, everything, right? We know that God, some of us are overwhelmed by, by God's incredible creative powers. And we've gone, wow, God, we worship him as a creator, yeah? Well, do you realize that in the midst of all that, there was a moment in time when he prioritized you? 
when he formed you, when he thought about you, when he designed you. My Bible says that he knew me before he laid down the foundations of the earth. God has existed eternally. And I know he loves me perpetually, I know that. But there was this one moment in eternity when God actually said, oh, yep, I've done the fish, the birds and all that, the dinosaur, that's good. Um, I'm going to create Cess. I'm going to plan Cess. And I'm going to put him on earth. And I want him to do all these things. I think that's amazing. God actually at one time prioritized me. And that really humbled me. That thought really, really humbled me. I thought, man, how much more should we prioritize our living God? How much more shall we set our hearts on the things that he wants us to set our hearts in? And ultimately, like I said, it's so that we can have room to do all the things that we want to do, even Facebooking, and then some, even some of the things that we've not even thought about. God doesn't want to rob us from things. We may think sometimes, oh man, if I put these things first, I want to, no. God wants to pour out so much, but first, it's about setting and having the right priorities. And then I believe, and this is the ultimate point, that I believe our capacity will increase, our capacity to receive, our capacity to do and to live the abundant life that God has called us to be to, to live. I believe that by setting the right priorities, by setting our hearts on eternity, by being able to choose what's important right now, and by being able to decide on action on the right things, I believe that that's how we're going to be able to set good priorities and I think that's pretty good theology to live by. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.